0: everybody. Thank you so much for get, checking out Talking Sports with Evan. I am back with a live stream this week. Uh, sorry for a couple-week absence. Uh, and it's been a minute since I've done a live stream, mainly because the fact that my internet likes to crap out. So, you know, I, the room I normally do the show on the internet doesn't like to work. Um, I, I guess I should say it likes to work when it wants to, um, to be perfectly, I guess, blunt about it. But I am back. I am here to talk I have a lot to discuss today, actually. Um, Packer game on Sunday. Um, Not only did the Packers win, I was also there. So I'm going to talk about the Packer victory on Sunday. And I'm also going to talk about my experiences being at Field, back for the first time to a game since the 2014 playoff loss to the 49ers on a last-second field goal. Um, Going to kind of talk about my experiences there. Um, also, badgers lost the axe again a couple years ago. They lost it. Um, I want to say 2018, I believe it was. They lost the axe and got it back in 2019, kept it in 2020. But unfortunately, in 2021, the gophers get the axe back. And the same issues we saw week one, week two, week three with the badger football team, we saw again in this most recent game as well and i'm going to kind of talk about that and then also give an idea on what the badgers should do or what they could do moving forward to try to fix things a lot of uh coaching changes in the ncaa coaches moving around uh lincoln riley to the usc trojans brian kelly to the uh to lsu and so forth um and then you know i'm going to give my thought on that and Major League Baseball, if a deal is not reached by 11.59 p.m., I believe, Eastern Time, so 10.59 p.m. Central, um, there will be a lockout. And I'm going to give my thoughts a little bit there. So I hope you all uh, having a great night. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to send a comment on Facebook, uh, uh, either talking Sports with Evan or on my personal Facebook page, or comment on stream on Twitter and if you have any comments or questions or concerns or whatever, just feel free to comment and I will, you know, give the answer. So start off with begin with talking, you know, my my trip to lambo And first of all, I want to give the shout out and the thank you to a friend of mine and former colleague Scott. Uh he uh, invited me to go to a game this year with him. He's got he's a season ticket holder invited me to go to a game with him this year and uh you know, I said yes, let's do it. You know, I took a new job this year, uh, a little bit extra, a bit more money coming in. So I, I could afford to splurge on myself and I did. And I went to uh, Lambeau Field to check out the Packers and the Rams. And you know, like I said, you know, big shout out to Scott. I appreciate the, uh, the the invite that you gave me and I appreciate the opportunity to go. And it was it was a great op- it was a great experience. So we, we left. Roughly 10 o'clock from Racine area. Um, stopped in Ter- Teresa for some amazing cheese curds. After we dropped some stuff off and checked into our, our hotel in Appleton, we headed up to Green Bay. And I you know, uh, met uh, two awesome people who I've known on Twitter. Uh, one for quite a while and one for about a year now. A little, you know, about a year now. Um you know, didn't get to chat uh, with as much as I wanted to because, you know, the first one, uh, we were running a little bit late and into the game, so we didn't get a chance to talk too much. And then at the end of the game, I ran into the other person who I've been on Twitter for a while, and I pretty much had no voice, and she didn't really have much of a voice either. So, you know, it was just a quick exchange of, hello, nice to finally meet you face-to-face and whatnot, and then kind of went away, but... I posted a couple of videos on my Twitter at Evan folks You can find them on there. I'll go to the media section on my timeline and probably find them quicker. And I also added a view I posted the talk, which shows the uh the combination. There the Aaron Rodgers touchdown run and um Aaron Rodgers touchdown run and the touchdown pass to uh AJ Dillon with a little bit of roll viewing uh after his. So the crowd was great, um, loudest I can remember Lambeau Field being. Um, is, you know it's obviously much on person than watching on TV, listening to it on the radio, but it's louder than I can remember Lambo being from my two other experiences being there. The crowd was well into it, and the uh, atmosphere you know big. I, I heard uh, I heard people criticizing the Milwaukee crowd. Um, they they're quieter. Um, you have people yelling, yelling at you to sit down all the time, things like that. But I didn't see it's that on my side. Um, uh, the majority of the people in my section, the sections around me, we stood the entire game. Like, yeah, we'd sit down at commercial breaks and timeouts and things like that. But for the most part, we stood the whole game and nobody told us to sit down. And the people in our section that were sitting down didn't say a word. They were looking up at the Jimbo Trons that they have on both ends of the field and were enjoying the game there. And, you know, I just, it was a good experience. And the, you know, atmosphere around us was quite blessed. So, but now moving on to the game itself. The Packers beat the Rams. Um, 36 to 28, now going into the bye week. And to me, I know the Rams are struggling right now. They've lost now three in a row, but the Rams are, yeah, I think two in a row or three in a row. But anyway, the Rams are a solid They have a tough, tough front with uh, led by Aaron Donald and uh, um, Von Miller, and um, those guys are a load. They have a pretty solid secondary led by Jalen Ramsey. Offensively, they can uh, move the ball, put points on the board. So I don't want anyone to you know, look at this game and not say it was a good win. It was, it was a good Packer win. And there was never a moment in this game that I felt the Packers were not going to win it. I was pretty confident about the Packers winning this game After uh, pretty much immediately. Well, I predicted a Packer win, first of all. I was driving up with my, you know, my buddy Scott, who I mentioned. He asked me my thought, and I said, Packers, I think Packers are going to win. And yeah, I didn't sound that confident when I said that, but I was pretty positive the Packers were going to win. And after Aaron Rodgers has touched them, the, pos- the confidence grew. After the strip sack, when the Packers ended up scoring, uh, after that strip sack again, confidence growing. Um, but I never felt worried or uncomfortable pretty much the entire game. Um, at halftime, the Packers had an opportunity to put points on the board, slip through their hands, and at the end of the fourth quarter, or the year, they, they had an opportunity to run out the clock, slip through their hand too, and they threw the ball on third and four. Instead of, in me, they should have ran the ball. Instead, they threw it and stopped the clock, and the Rams ended up kicking the field goal to put it with an eight, and yeah, the Packers ended up recovering the onside kick. But a lot of things I'm happy about in this game. First of all, the play of the offensive line. Um, to go up against the Rams' front seven which was extremely tough. And Omi allowed one sack the entire game, and that was a sack for no gain, was pretty incredible. Um, the offensive line coach, the assistant offensive line coach, they deserve a ton of credit and recognition for the fact that it, it seems like no matter what they do this season – you know, they lose uh, uh, Elton Jenkins earlier this year with an ankle injury. Yash Naiman comes, uh, Ny- comes in. Packers struggle on the first drive of the game against San Francisco, but they don't miss a beat. And the next couple games, again, the offensive line doesn't really miss a beat. Um, they they lose Jenkins again, going into the Rams again, for a torn ACL. Who knows when Bakhtiari is going to be back. Again, the pass offensive line don't miss, doesn't miss a beat. Now, I, 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 am, I have concerns with the right guard and center position in Newman and Patrick, but overall, the offensive line has not missed a beat. Billy Turner has been very stout on the right side, and Nijman did a great job on the left, and he had a great heads up fumble uh, recovery, too, that could have been a, a game, uh, a swing of momentum as well. Um, the area that I'm quite impressed with, um, you know, with Alan Lazard both being hurt last week, I think he's still banged up this past week. Uh, I think he's still banged up this week um, and just struggling right now. He's struggling to hang, catch the football, hang on to the football. Economia St. Brown has really stepped up. He's taken advantage of the opportunities he's gotten. And, you know, In the Packers offense, unless you're Devontae Adams or, you know, unless you're Devontae Adams or unless you're um, And Jones or now A.J. Dillon, you're not, or Randall Cobb, you're not going to get a lot of opportunities. Really, it's Devontae Adams and then the other opportunities are few and far between. This game, Cobb got a bunch of opportunities. He took advantage of them before he got hurt, other than his month punt return, which I'll get to in a moment. But Ikenemius St. Brown, who started the year being cut, put on the practice squad, dealing with some injuries, brought up, sparingly used as a COVID replacement. He, in the past few weeks, since he's been added to the active 53-man roster, he's had very few opportunities, but he has taken advantage of them. He had a big catch, big catches against the Vikings, and an end around um one of the catches set up a touchdown and the end of the round set up a touchdown as well. And in this game he had a big third down catch at the sideline, got both feet down, moved the chains, kept the ball a moving, and he had a big special teams tackle on a punt that got called back because <laughs> strangely enough the Rams are offsides on a punt, which doesn't really happen ever. But the Rams are offsides on a punt. Um he pinned the ball at the one yard line on a sixty two yard bomb by the punter. And he's been, you know, getting tackles on special teams overall, even not, you know, even aside from that um, punt, the tackle he got taken back off the offsides. You're not going to get a lot of opportunities in the Packers offense. And like like I just got done saying, and this is something I mentioned on Sunday and Monday as well, you have to take advantage of the opportunities you get because they come few and far between with the Packers offense. And in the past, Couple games, blocking, route running, catching the ball, running down as the gunner on punts and kickoffs. He has taken advantage of his opportunities. Another bright spot: AJ Dillon. Um, he didn't. He didn't do a lot sexy, other than his touchdown. But he uh, was a grinder. He wore out the Rams' front. The the drive that they ended up missing a field goal on. He uh, he. he they made the Rams have to use all three of their timeouts, and he kept getting positive yards, put putting a pounding on the Rams. He would get hit in the backfield and still gain a couple yards. Aaron Jones first came back uh, from injury after missing uh, the Viking game. Uh, yeah, after missing the Viking game, he. Uh, He struggled to find holes and move the football in the running game Or A.J. Dillon took over in the running game, and he he just kept moving the ball and putting the hit stick on one of the Rams defenders and getting a first out. A.J. Dillon's been huge. Um, I actually just got A.J. Dillon's jersey, and I don't do a lot of getting new jerseys. Um, It's not really my thing. I typically go more throwback jerseys. But I wanted AJ Dillon's jersey. I I wanted his jersey for the reason that he has truly fallen in love and embraced Wisconsin. He loves Green Bay, he loves Wisconsin, he loves Door County, which are all things I love, to be honest. I love going up to Door County. I love the Packers and Green Bay. I love the state of Wisconsin. Yes, we have our flaws as a state and as a city and as a whatever, but overall, I, I love the state of Wisconsin. He has fully embraced becoming a Wisconsinite. And he said even if he, you know, he can't control where his football career takes him, he'd love to be a Packer for life, but he's definitely going to be a Wisconsinite and a Green Bay uh native for life. So, like John Kuhn Probably going to be staying in the Green Bay area uh, his post career. I know his fiance is from the area and that's who got him hooked on Door County. But AJ Dillon, another bright spot. Devonte Adams, very quiet, um, eight catches uh, for 100 some odd yards. Uh, but Adams had a couple huge catches uh, to get first down, keep the chain moving, and he found ways to get open. And defense. Defensively, the Packers' defense played outstanding again. Rashawn Gary's returned after missing a week of injury—he made an impact for a fumble on a sack. The Packers recovered as he was getting held. Um. So yeah, there's there's a lot that I'm happy about with the Packers and the way they played on Sunday. Um, special teams punt return unit. Um, Crosby made all but one of his kicks; those were positive, but the one. Eek! Moment was a muffed punt by Randall Cobb. They put Randall Cobb back there. They figure, okay, we're gonna put Cobb back here. Sure hands, don't want a short field. He, or, you know, don't want to, you know, ball to be pinned back deep. Cobb's gonna go up and get it, and he almost did. They didn't let it get too close to his body, and he dropped it. So, with that, Packers, I I'm quite impressed with their win. Um, and I'm gonna go on a bit of a t- I guess, a bit of a rant here. Um as I mentioned their defense. One of the things I'm getting I one of the things I'm getting very tired of is people moving the goalposts. They always find that yeah, but just enjoy the moment. Yeah, but they gave up two deep touchdown passes. Yeah, but. Um they, you know. Oh, and I forgot to mention Rasheel Douglas. He's another big positive out of that game. His pick six and, and a couple of tackles and breakups or whatever during the game. But again, the yeah but. You know, just enjoy what the Packers are doing. Just enjoy the, the, um, the run, the ride. And their defense is better than last year. Are they Super Bowl 45 defense good? No. But they're playing assignment sure. We're not having the breakdowns and cars like we used to on miscommunications. And I don't know what happened. I don't know where to go. We saw a little bit of against the Vikings. And we saw it against uh, the Saints. Yeah, the Saints up in the season. Outside of that, defense has been consistent and playing uh, assignment sure football, limiting the big play. And Getting after the quarterback, getting pressure on the quarterback. Kenny Clark had another big game of pressure. Justin Smith had a strong game. Uh, Kiki had a good game. The defense is getting after the quarterback and making him uncomfortable. And I know they didn't have a lot of sexy sack numbers. I think he had two in this game, but there there was one completion that was forced. And yeah, Stafford had all day to throw, but the pressure forced Stafford. Off his spot to have to readjust, and then he throws the the, the completion. Stafford should have had two pick sixes off uh, on him. Uh, Eric Stokes towards the, on the uh, the Rams' final drive of the game dropped it would have been a pick six, but he had a great bounce back game following performance against the Vikings. So stop moving the goalposts all the time. Focus on the here and now. And enjoy the ride because we don't know how much longer we're going to be, able, you know, to have such a positive and fun product to enjoy because we don't know what's going to happen at the end of the year whenever that season ends. Hopefully, it ends with a Super Bowl, but we don't know what we're going to see, or what we're going to have the remainder of the season, until you know, until the season's over. So just enjoy the ride. Stop. Stop with the. Stop with the, the goal post all the time. Um, like I said, just enjoy the season. So next thing I want to discuss, Wisconsin Badger football. Rough season. They did find their next stud their next, uh, running back. Um, They did find the next stud uh, running back they have in uh, Braylon Allen um, to find, but they have a lot to figure out, and I don't even know where to start with. Is a Paul Christ? The offense looked staging. They uh, looked very bland and easy to stop all the time. And the, and the Gophers got to give them credit. Uh, they attacked, they have, a, they have a tough front. They attacked the line of scrimmage. They made it difficult for the Badgers to get positive yards on first down, which pretty much handcuffed the offense. Graham Mertz was under pressure uh, the entire game. He always seemed to have a guy in his face. Um and he had a hard time completing his pass. And they I think they had like what thirty-eight attempts in the game, and that's not badger football. But because they couldn't get the running game going, Allen's also slowed by uh, ankle injury. Um Yeah. I I guess I'll just leave it at that. But I don't know what the badgers need to do for twenty twenty two. I really don't. Um I don't think Mel Chris should go need to go anywhere but i think he needs to self i think he needs to self reflect and figure out what went wrong this season and try to fix it the offensive line struggled at times quarterback play was was uh, was poor um the the play calling putting your offense in position to be successful that was lacking at times but yeah i just i think chris needs to really take a hard look on what he wants to do as the head coach of the Badgers and decide what he wants. Because offensively, this isn't going to work. you you got to figure out how to make this offense work. And unfortunately, you don't really have any other option because you have a freshman coming in from Franklin, Wisconsin, who's not going to be ready to play more than likely as a true freshman. So you're going to have to make it work with Graham Mertz unless you hit the, unless you hit the, uh, the transfer portal and bring in a quarterback, you're going to have to find a way to make it work with Graham Mertz. And the thing is, there's a stretch of seven games, and yes, I know the opponents weren't great, but there was a stretch of seven games where the Badgers made it work because they they built everything off of the running game. And when you stopped the running game, they couldn't do anything. Well, you found a way to make it work. You really do. And I wouldn't even be opposed to bringing in a new offensive line coach. I know Rudolph is extremely popular in the locker room. He's one of their to- their big recruiters. Well, move him into more recruiting role, and let's bring an offensive lineman, or take your out- your inside linebackers coach and move him to- into um, offensive line coach where he was extremely successful offensive line coach in the late 20- 2000s, 08, uh, 09, 2010, I want to say. Let's let him run the offensive line again. That, that that's my thought there. Um it, you, it's again, I'm not not ready to move on from Paul Chris. I think he's a good coach, but I think you need to find a more mod, modern day offensive coordinator. Um let him focus on the being the guy in charge. Uh, it what didn't look like it on Saturday, but he tends to be a good game manager, clock management. Let that be what he works with best. Let let's stop with the you know, him being the offensive uh, uh coordinator, quarterbacks coach and head coach. You know, I saw Shot Tosine's name brought up. He's coaching down in Dallas. Bring him in here. He's been working with uh the Cowboys and their offensive coordinator who is setting the world fire this past couple you know, I think two years, uh yeah, two years now. Bring him in. I'm sure he's got some ideas to bring to the offense to make the offense run more smooth. Bringing in, as I mentioned, bring a new offensive line coach and do what you got to do to keep um Jim Leonard. And I haven't heard Jim Leonard's name mentioned much in the openings that are out there right now. Notre Dame, uh, opening, um, to name a couple. I'm not hearing his name mentioned in any of these circles. Which I don't understand if I'm Oklahoma. So there's one thing the past couple seasons that have been holding Oklahoma back, and that is the defense. The defense of Oklahoma has been bad. Leonard has proven track record dating back to him being a defensive backs coach before he took over as defensive coordinator. He has shown that he can have the ability to run a solid defense. So if I'm Oklahoma, I bring him in to run the defense. Have somebody, you know, I, I you know, I bring somebody in to run the offense. Just be like the head coach and run the defense, and let's see what happens because we have a great quarterback at Oklahoma right now, a quarterback who showed flat brilliance as a freshman. Bringing an offensive coordinator to continue on with his development, and let Leonard run defense. That's what I'll do from Oklahoma. You know, I've heard Urban Meyer's name mentioned. I heard bringing Bob Stoops back. I heard that name mentioned. I've heard a, a K- Kiff Klingsberry I heard his mentioned. But bring in Leonard. Bring in Jim Leonard. Let him run the show. He's an up-and-cover in the coaching ranks. He'll do wonders in Oklahoma. And I know, I guess, if you're Oklahoma, the one you kind of wonder and worry about, being that Leonard is a Wisconsin guy, that maybe he runs away to Wisconsin um, as soon as that job opens up. That's a risk. If I'm Oklahoma, I'm willing to take, to be honest. And a couple last comments on college football I want to make before I jump to baseball is I think we've all seen once again that and, and this is why I'm very grateful to have Paul Christ at Wisconsin. We've seen that college coaches, for the most part, can be very slimy and snake-like. And you, know, you have Riley, who left, uh, left Oklahoma for USC out of the blue. You know He claimed that he hadn't talked to them until Sunday morning, and then he said late that night. And he I, I, look at Riley, figure it out. Was it Sunday night? Was it morning? Was it Saturday night? Was it just be honest? You, you you got you you felt it was the time to you felt that it was the time to leave. Your majority time at Oklahoma, but it was time to move on and face a new uh, situation. And Brian Kelly. You're leaving for a new head coaching job. Fine. I that, that's fine. If you want to be a, a head coach at LSU because you think it's a better situation than you have right now at North Game. Which the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So remember that also, for fans want Paul Chris gone. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. And LSU is going to be a more stressful job than Notre Dame because they've won national titles recently and they want to get back to that. So, and then Brian Kelly left the job extremely shady. His, co- his assistant coaches didn't know he left, he, they found out that we all found out. And then he sends a text message to his players, saying "bye." And then he has a three-minute or less, uh, depending on who you who you talk to or look who material you, you read, he has a three-minute or less meeting um, with the team, letting them know that he's leaving. You know, we're seeing once again that a lot of these coaches who are supposed to make young men out of these kids when they get them are scumbags. And to me, that's where Brian Kelly is, and I don't know enough about Lincoln Riley to determine if he's just come big or not. But he did not handle the leaving to Oklahoma well, and I didn't differ from Brian Kelly. So, I and that's that makes me beneficial to have Paul Crist at Wisconsin, who truly seems like a genuine. And I don't know Paul Chris personally. I don't like him for what I've heard reported on him. I've observed press conferences, what I've read about him, he seems like a genuine good guy who truly cares about his team and his and his, play, and his coaches and the program and the school. That's what he. That's the impression I get from Paul Chris. So when we we, we talk about it, might be time to move on, bring a new coach, fire Chris, fire somebody new, get the job, to Jim Leonard, whatever. Remember, it's not always greener on the other side. And we've seen over and over again, these coaches look like scumbags. And, that, and that, that's what Brian Kelly is. He always has been. It dates back to when that kid died at Notre Dame. Why are you putting this kid up on that, um, whatever it was he was on, when the winds are at 60 miles per hour? Um, why are you putting him through that? You're asking for trouble. The way he left Cincinnati, the, you know, his action that I heard about when he was at, at let's say, Western Michigan. Where he invites Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala to a house party he was having for the holidays only to shovel, shovel snow and park cars. He's always been a scumbag, and that's just who he is. And we, we got that reiterated the way he handled moving on to LSU. So and and I use it. I look at situations like that, and it makes me grateful that Wisconsin has Paul Chris leading the way, because I don't. The only the only way Paul Chris is leaving Wisconsin is if he gets fired, or he dies, or he retires. He's not leaving Wisconsin for another job unless he gets fired. He's not running away to the next big job. That's not his style. At least that's not what I observed um, during this uh you know, during his time here at Wisconsin, I know he left Pitt after two years, but you know he won't come home. I, I don't see I don't take him leaving Pitt as a big move. I see him leaving Pitt because his dream job was open again finally. You know, he, when his dream job became open before, he had literally just left for pit. so. Barry Alvarez didn't feel comfortable reaching out to him and saying, hey, you want to come home yet? Because he literally just took the job at Pitt. And then he came back to Wisconsin after two years because said it was time for him to come home. And Pitt's in a good situation out too. The guy they replaced uh, Paul Christ with, he's put together a very solid program out in Pennsylvania as well. So, again, those demanding Paul Christ's head, those demanding the Badgers fire him, them retire, whatever, Again, be careful what you wish for, because the grass is not always greener on the other side. We've also seen Texas struggle since Mac Brown got forced out. We've seen what's happened uh Nebraska they were a uh, nine and three uh team all the time under Polini, they forced him out before that it was Frank Sol, forced him out, and that program had never been the same so. And finally, we are likely going to be have a baseball lockout at the end of biz, at the end of the day today, and it's something I hope we don't see. Baseball already bringing in fans. Um, there's a show, a couple, of uh, episode, a few weeks back with Matt Hawley, where we kind of talked about that a little bit. But I, I hope we don't have a lockout. It would be bad for baseball if they have a lockout because they're arguing over money when, you're, when your teams are spending almost a billion dollars, half a billion dollars on players leading up to the lockout. It's not gonna look good for anybody on any side, but it's gonna come down to arguing about money and revenue sharing and whatnot. It's just not gonna look good. There's a few things that players are asking for that I, I, I agree with. Free agents within five years, of their service time starting or at the age of 29 and a half, whichever comes first. I think that's a good idea, uh, but I don't like raising the revenue, uh, the the luxury tax. I think it's 210 million to 240 million. That's going to hurt the small teams even more. It's going to help the the Brooklyn, uh, New Yorks, the the LAs, the Boston, the Cubs. It's going to hurt those teams when you if you raise that to 240. You know, it's not as easy for a small market team to just spend more money. You know, if, I guarantee you the Brewers would love to spend more money if they could. They're very selective on when they spend that money. And unfortunately, the last two times when they spent that money, it hasn't really worked out the way they thought. And I know Ryan Braun ended up having a solid career move when they paid Ryan Braun. Expect him to be a perennial all-star hit a bunch of home runs, hit in the 300s, and be that, you know, what basically he was in 2011 and what Christian Yelich was for two years before the last two years. That's what they are expecting. And with Christian Yelich, they were expecting what they got out of him in year one, two in Milwaukee, and instead he's really not been that great since. So I hope baseball figures it out quick because a prolonged lockout is not good for anybody. And it's just going to turn people off from baseball even more, because it seems like every time baseball is in the news, somebody's getting 300 million dollars, or there's some kind of dispute between the players' association and the owners. So, with that said, I appreciate you guys watching who spent some time watching the show. I apologize if it was some uh, issues with the um, connection from time to time. I do have it on in the background here on my Twitter. And I'm watching and it does look like it's freezing from time to time. So I apologize for that. The audio version of the show will be out tomorrow morning. If you want to listen to that, you can listen to all, all the past shows, including the ones that I just did a recording of instead of a live stream, on anywhere podcast are found. Spotify, uh, Apple, wherever. Anywhere, anywhere podcasts are found you can find Talking Sports with Evan. With that said, I hope you all have a great rest of your night, have a great rest of your week, and I will get back at you either later this week or next week to talk Packers and Bears and also talk about potential MVP races and whatnot. Talk to you all later.